in the county with Trevor Anderson on Live 95. With Fitzgerald Skip Hire. Time to clear your garden, shed, spare room, attic or garage? Check out FitzgeraldSkipHire.ie or call 414 200. Week three of our series celebrating the stories and local tourism along the Shannon Estuary Way. This week our destination is Glynn and I'm joined by John A. Culhan. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Trevor. John, we've loads to talk about in terms of attractions in Glynn, so I'm going to start with the ice houses. Uh, this is in keeping with the maritime team of this series. What were they? Right. Um, well, during the, the mid-1800s, uh, the day night of Glynn, John Francais Fitzgerald, Rither and a Man, the night of the women, as he is called locally, um, he saw the potential of the estuary and the, the salmon uh, that were um, swimming there during the, the summer months. And so he decided to set up some weirs along by uh, Glynn and indeed stretching to Lahal. But there were a lot of weirs along the Shannon anyway at that time. But um, the salmon were being um, caught uh, in the local weirs and they were being exported, would you believe it, all the way to Billingsgate in London the famous fish market in London. And, of course, to get the fish fresh to London, ice was needed to pack the fish. And so Glyn, um, the Knight of Glyn and uh, Mr. Pegum, who was helping out with the project, they built ice houses in, in the uh, locality. Now, the idea of the ice house was obviously to store ice for the summer months when the salmon was being exported to London. So um, during the winter months, when um, the weather was particularly cold and the water uh, freezed over, then the ice would be gathered here locally by the local farmers, and it was brought to the ice house where the ice was stored for the, the summer. Um, the farmers were particularly... Um, uh, adventurous in, in their uh, search for ice in the sense that the lakes or the local lakes and the local ponds and the local rivers, when they froze over, as I said, the farmer would collect the ice the following morning. Uh, the more ice you had, obviously, the more money you made. And so the farmers, um, in, in their wisdom, they actually blocked streams uh, on their farms and so when the streams were blocked, the, um, the water would flow onto the, onto the field. So they, they literally flooded their fields on purpose. And then, of course, at night time, the water froze and they came and they collected the ice the following day and brought it to the local ice house. Now, a donkey load, a, cat, a donkey cat load of ice could be sold to the local ice house for one shilling, um, a mule load could be sold for one shilling and sixpence. And for a horse load of ice, you got the grand total of two shillings uh, per load. Now, there were some times during the, the, that period, the mid-1800s, we're talking the mid-1800s to the early 1900s. And during that period of time, there was the odd winter, which was particularly mild. And so the farmers, the local farmers, did not get the chance uh, to collect the ice because the waters didn't freeze. And so, would you believe, they actually had to import shiploads of ice 
all the way from Newfoundland or from Scandinavia. So it's a, fab, a fantastic story about the salmon. And I said the, the feat of getting a fresh salmon from Glynn to London was, was a great story in itself. The horse and cat would leave Glynn, go as far as fines. They were then uh, loaded onto the, the, uh, the train in fines. From there it went to Waterford, from Waterford by ship over to Wales, and from Wales again uh, by um, rail to London, fresh salmon all the way from Glynn in Billingsgate. Wow. Okay, tell me about Margaret Maloney, the world's only known female harbour master. Right. Well, that's all fame to fame. Trevor, Margaret Maloney, we have a statue of her in the square, and it commemorates the fact that Margaret Maloney, a great character in her own right, um, but we our claim to fame is that Margaret Maloney was the only female and oldest harbour uh, master or mistress, I suppose we should call her, in the world at that time. Now, what was her her uh, job, says you, what was she doing? Well, during the, the, that period of time, again, we're talking late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, Glen Pier was a particularly busy port of call in the sense that passengers uh, would come on a regular basis from Limerick. Uh, you had the ships, the Garyone was probably the most famous one. Uh, the Garyone and lots of other boats were, were up and down the Shannon um, bringing uh, passengers and indeed goods all the way from Limerick and going as far as, as Kilrush. Um, the, the estuary was the safest and the fastest mode of, of travel in those days. And so, as I said, Glyn Pier and the extension of Glyn Pier, the jetty, was a particularly busy place during that period of time. And Maggie Maloney... Um, when a boat was due in, uh, Maggie, that was Maggie's job, uh, to, to log them in and to give them birth at the pier. But also then at night time, there were um, lanterns to be lit on the jetty and on the pier. And so that was Maggie's job as well. And she had her own festival as well. Sorry? She had a festival. A festival? A festival, the Margaret Maloney Festival. Was there a Margaret Maloney Festival about 20 years ago or even 15 well, years ago? Yeah. Well, yes, there was. We, well, that was the year when we when we just directed that plaque to Maggie or that that uh, piece of of uh, sculpture to Maggie, and so we just had a weekend around that. Very good. Okay, loads of other attractions to get through, um, and, and we probably can't touch on them all, John. But uh, Glen Castle and uh, Dominic West and uh, Dominic a couple of years ago put his acting skills. Uh, to use for the uh, local people out there and a production about the Colleen Bond. He did, he did. And there was um, a great connection with Glyn and the Colleen Bond and Dominic West. Yes, as you said, two, year, uh, two years ago now, um, 2019, we commemorated the 200th um, uh, anniversary of the, the death of the Colleen Bond, Ellen Hanley. Mm. Now, um, you know, I don't know are people aware of the story of Ellen Hanley. Poor Ellen, a 15-year-old, um, left her home um, with um, with a John Scanlon over in Croom. They came to Glynn on their honeymoon, and poor um, the, um, Ellen, uh, unfortunately, John Scanlon wanted to go back home again to the gentry house that he belonged to, and Maggie, or uh, sorry, Ellen Hanley, had to be got rid of. And so 
John Scanlon and a local man here, John Sullivan, they murdered the poor Colleen Bourne, Ellen Hanley, and it was only a year after they killing her, or a few months after they killing her, that her body was washed up um, in, on the Clare coast. And so there was a great connection in the sense that the Knight of Glynn at that time, again, the Ritter and Amon, he was the, the chief magistrate of the county and justice of the peace. And it was he that um, went across to uh, Clare to recognize the body of Ellen Handley. And so after uh, the body was recognized, of course, John Scanlon and John Sullivan were subsequently arrested and both of them were hanged in Gallows Green in London. Oh, sorry, in Limerick. And um, would, believe it or not, the great Daniel O'Connell was actually involved in defending John Scanlon at that case. But unfortunately, the people or the jury found him guilty. And a funny story, or I suppose an unusual story, in the sense that when John Scanlon, John Scanlon always denied that he was involved in, in the, the murder of the Colin Bourne. And when the horses were carrying him um, across the bridge in Limerick, the horses refused or would not cross the bridge with John Scanlon uh, in, in the prison, in the prison uh, camp. And so the people said it was a sign that Scanlon was indeed innocent. And the last thing that Scanlon said before he was hung was that he was innocent of the murder of the Colleen Bourne. But um, subsequently, our, the Glyn man, um, John Sullivan, was um, arrested some months afterwards, and he was brought to court in Limerick, and he told the story of what happened, that yes, it was John Sullivan that actually did the murder, but it was John Scanlon that actually put him up to it. John, with all those stories and with all that history out there, I suppose, then something and a concept, if I can put it like that, or a project like the Shannon Estuary Way, maybe would you like to see more uh, happening in terms of the attractions we've mentioned? You know, there is so much local history out there. Something like the Shannon Estuary Way will only enhance that. Oh, yes. I mean, it's a fantastic um, concept, the, the Shannon Estuary Way, and, and long overdue, in my opinion. And I suppose... We were, you know, talking about this uh, recently, and not only would it be good to make the, the visitor aware of the attractions, not only do we have in Glynn, but all along the estuary on both sides, but we need to make ourselves aware of it as well, because, you know, a lot of the local people living in Limerick and Clare, and indeed in Ireland, are not aware of the great stories that can be told or have to be told about the different localities. Now, we are lucky in the sense, Trevor, that we are about to open an interpretive centre very soon, uh, the Knights of Glynn Interpretive Centre, uh, which will accommodate the, the tourists in the sense that when they come to our area, that the history of the Knights of Glynn, uh, 29 nights and all, so there's a lot of history to be told. Uh, so when they come, they'll be able uh, to see that or learn about uh, the, the local history in Glynn and, of course, of the surrounding areas as well. But if we all link up together, which is the, the object of the Shannon History Way, I'm sure that we our, the package that we will have will be very attractive to the, the, uh, the tourists. In the County with Trevor Anderson on Live 95. With Fitzgerald Skiphire. Time to clear your garden, shed, spare room, attic or garage? Check out FitzgeraldSkiphire.ie or call 414 200.